What's up? I'm Amanda Costco, and you're listening to the Electric Runway Podcast, a podcast exploring the intersection of fashion and technology. Welcome to a very special bonus episode of the Electric Runway Podcast. Last week, I moderated a panel at Startup Fashion Week's Fashion Tech Forum, and we're going to be sharing the audio from that event later this week as a full podcast episode. But leading up to the event, I had the chance to sit down with some of the companies and entrepreneurs punctuating Toronto's fashion tech scene. A few weeks ago, you heard from the folks behind Clothed, a styling app for men. And recently, you heard from Vincent Theriot, the co-founder of Sur Monsieur. My guest today is Fiona Hanna, one of the panelists from the Fashion Tech Forum. She's a small business owner here in Toronto and a textile designer. Her goods are sold locally at the Distilled Gallery and the Art Gallery of Ontario and Bricka, to name a few. In addition to operating her business online, Fiona is here to tell us all about how technology enables her work as a contemporary textile designer. It's an interesting bonus episode, and it starts right now. So Fiona, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. So for people who aren't familiar with you and your work, who are you and what do you do? Okay, well, my name's Fiona Hanna. I'm a Toronto-based textile designer. Because I have actually started off with a biology degree, I'm really focused on eco-friendly stuff as well. So each season I do a small capsule collection of seasonally-based accessories. I'm mostly focused on scarves because I think every season is scarf season. (laughs) So we're going to put up some pictures of your products on Electric Runway so viewers can go and take a look. But for those listening, can you describe your designs and maybe talk a little bit about their aesthetic? Sure. I'm I'm actually mostly obsessed with black and white, so you're going to see a lot of black and white designs. Mm -hmm. Um, I try to make my stuff modern, graphic, and gender neutral as well. So I'm interested, you came from a biology background. How did you get from biology to textile design? I kind of just jumped right in and went back to school. Um, I was, I knew I wanted to do something different. I thought, you know what, life is short. I've always loved textiles. I'm just going to study it. And so what made you decide, what I noticed is that your designs have a kind of Canadian aesthetic. Is that like a marketing play because you think that you, you know, find an audience for that? Or is that something you always wanted to do? Where does that come from? Well, I'm actually originally from the States, and I've just applied for it, and I guess next week I'll be taking my citizenship oath, which is awesome. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Uh, Thanks. And I was really kind of interested in the idea of of Canadian identity and how that affects my work as I've come to be in Toronto for 12 years now. And I was really like trying to reflect back the environment that I see around me. So you had said to me in an earlier email that patterns are your way of making sense of the world. And I was intrigued by this. Can you unpack this a little bit more for me? Yeah. So um, I guess in the spring, I read Judd Apatow's Stick in the Head. Mm -hmm. And he's tremendously funny, but he talked a lot about how comedians were telling these jokes to try to make sense of things. And I thought, that's what I'm trying to do. That's when I try to make patterns, I'm trying to organize visual information so I can make it understandable. And there's something about that that just makes my brain happy when you get to put these little (laughs) geometric designs together. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that because I've always thought that storytelling, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, is our way of making sense of the world. So words, I guess, are my, you know, tools that I use to design pieces and that's my way of interpreting but it's really interesting to see someone describe 
their work in textiles that way. So as you know, the Electric Runway podcast is focused on fashion and technology. So I'm interested in learning more about the technology that goes into textile design. There's lots of technology that I use to go into it. The most recent collection that I'm coming out with for spring, I'm really excited about because I actually started with Google Maps and I took street view maps of cities that I love and used that as a basis for a pattern. So I used, and I did these patterns completely digitally using a Wacom tablet. So I draw over the map, usually isolating just a couple blocks of a city draw into that and make it geometrically kind of pleasing and aesthetically pleasing, and then flip it around a little bit and make it into a pattern. So that someone can actually wear their allegiance to Toronto, let's say. Exactly. So I have Toronto, Montreal, Chicago, New York, and Paris coming out. Toronto is is available now, but the other ones are waiting for spring. Yeah, it's interesting. There seems to be this trend in Toronto, and I don't know if it's because of Drake or because of what, but like it seems that there is this pride now to be from Toronto and to represent your city that didn't exist, you know, maybe five years ago, or if it did exist, there wasn't a way to visually represent it. And now we have like the Peace Collectives, Toronto versus everyone, those neighborhood toques that I believe were also from the Peace Collective, but I could be wrong that allow you to represent your neighborhood. And now we have your your Google Maps creation. So that's really fascinating. So how do you design a textile? How does that even work? Well, there's kind of two ways about it. Sometimes I start with a hand-drawn sketch and then I will scan that in. And the nice part about being able to scan it in is you can adjust different things as you go. So for instance, I had a moose that I had drawn that I didn't like the antlers on, so I gave him like a little antler amputation, put another set of antlers on there, and then thought, okay, that that looks right. And especially for pattern creation, that means I can draw that moose once, and then once I scan it in, I can turn it into a repeated pattern. Other times I do start just digitally, like with the maps, I'll do the whole thing, just drawing it digitally. And what's the software for that called? Um, I use a Wacom tablet mm-hmm. and then I plug that, then you can draw directly in Illustrator. So is that a tablet that you actually like use your finger or a tool to draw onto the tablet and then it manifests? How does that work? Yeah, exactly. You have a little tablet with a, a pen or like a stylus and you draw directly on the tablet. It's a little tricky to learn because you're kind of drawing to the side of where you're actually the output is coming out instead of drawing directly onto the tablet where you can see what you're doing. You can't see what you're doing till it comes up on the screen. So it's a little bit of a trick to learn. And then how does it go from the digital to the physical again? The magic of printing. (laughs) So you print it from like your software to a fabric? Oh, so I'll go ahead and um, get it printed and then I'll transfer that to a silk screen. Right. And then I print everything myself. So it's a combination of the, the old with the new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I guess beyond the technology that goes into creating the actual textile, what technology empowers other elements of your business, like the marketing and communications of what you're doing? Because I mean, you're in a ton of stores, right? Like you're in uh, the Art Gallery of Ontario. I think I was reading. You're in Bricka, which is a store I absolutely love. So how do you build a brand for yourself? What are your tools for doing that? I use a lot of social media. I use Instagram mostly, Facebook and Pinterest and Twitter as well. I also sell online. So that's, you know, being able to use Shopify and Etsy to be able to attract customers is amazing. 
What else do I use? Oh, I take payments via Square, which is really lovely because you can accept credit cards mobily anywhere. And so that's if you're at a trade show, let's say you can have Square. Do you find that Shopify has gotten you a lot of traction? What's that experience been like? Not too much yet, although it's still kind of early days. Mm -hmm. But I do find I was doing a lot of the web stuff myself before, and that was not maybe pro level. So (laughs) they're so much easier to use that it's perfect for someone who does not know HTML or anything like that. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. Because you've been at this for a year now, is that right? Or I kind of started part-time in 2013 when I graduated from school. And then just last year I went to full-time. So it's really taken a leap in the last year. Yeah. And I noticed you use Issue to help display your work. So for those who don't know, Issue is you can basically create like an online magazine that people can flip through like they would a paper magazine, but you can insert it with your own images and links and things like that. Any other apps and services that you swear by for marketing or for business development? I have to tell you, I am absolutely obsessed with spreadsheets. (laughs) I cannot survive without a spreadsheet. So I use that a lot, Um, especially when I'm looking at, you know, a new material. I want to know, okay, can I afford this? What's that kind of cost to the the end consumer going to be? And I want to come up with something that's going to be out of reach. Mm -hmm. And then I think I already mentioned Etsy. That's a huge one for me. And I think that's it. Yeah. I use this app called Todoist and I swear by it. It's just basically like a to-do list, but it's syndicated across platforms. So you have the application on your desktop and you can access it via mobile and tablet and you can organize things. I'm a huge list maker. So the same way that you have like an affinity with spreadsheets, it's kind of like me and lists. It's the only way I get things done. So I can definitely uh, relate to being reliant on those, those devices and those services. Not a question that I had planned on asking, but as you're speaking about being an independent designer and getting your business up and running, I wanted to know your perspective. Um, Now that Toronto doesn't have a fashion week anymore, how do you think this is going to impact the industry and impact designers like yourself? You know, I kind of see it two ways. Like in a way, Fashion Week was great at getting brands out there, but it was also really expensive and inaccessible in a lot of ways to a lot of consumers as well as brands. So, and I think taking that away is a loss for everybody, but I also see it as a way for the week to evolve a little bit and become a little more democratic and a little more accessible for consumers as well as designers. Yeah. So right now, how are you finding your audience? A hustle. (laughs) Um, It's a lot of, you know, putting yourself out there and pitching a lot of stores and then following up with them and then doing it all over again. (laughs) And how have you found, like, for the stores that you've made relationships with that now stock and merchandise your products, how do you find that relationship is going? Really well. I mean, everybody has been really supportive and and helpful along the way. You kind of get, they'll they'll give you some indirect feedback on what they order and what people buy. And you can kind of work from there as well. That's good. So you have some data insights as well on what's selling. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Do you find that what's selling online is similar to what's selling in store? Or is there like a product that when people see it in person versus online, they just have to have it? Do you have any insights from that perspective? 
Yeah, it does differ online versus in person. And I think for some of the scarves are really soft and fuzzy. And I think that makes them a little more tactile and a little bit easier to purchase in person because you can really get the sense of them. Yeah. So we're going to be speaking soon on a panel on fashion and technology at Startup Fashion Week together. And I want to know your perspective as someone who's working kind of at the crux of fashion and technology. What do you think fashion can learn from tech? And then vice versa, I'll turn the question on its head. What do you think technology can learn from fashion? Okay, so I'll start with fashion can learn from tech. Mm Mm-hmm. I think technology has done a great job of being really accessible and democratic. I think people can really, you know, they see that new phone, they want that phone, and it might be a little expensive, but they can afford it. And I think fashion can be a little elitist at times and a little sort of a little in an ivory tower. I'd love to see it become a little more consumer driven and a little more accessible so that for people who want it, they, you know, maybe can't afford a crazy expensive dress, but maybe there's a version that they can. Yeah. Do you think that's happening already? I mean, I'm just thinking about what's happening at New York Fashion Week. I just got off the phone with Liza Kindred of Third Wave Fashion, who's going to be our guest on the podcast this week. And, you know, we were talking about this see now, buy now runway model and how the access points have completely changed for Fashion Week. So I think what you're talking about, I think that's happening. It's just like, when is it going to happen on a large, you know, in a large way that everyone sort of really feels? Yeah, absolutely. I I agree. Like it's starting to happen and that's great to see. Yeah. And then um, to turn the question on its head, what do you think technology can learn from fashion? I think uh, technology should learn that people want to have fun. (laughs) I think people are accessorizing with tech They want to use technology to express their personalities, but you can't really do it that much yet. I would, and they're kind of doing it with like phone cases and things like that, but I'd love to see tech let people express themselves a little bit more. Like I'd love to have like the night out phone. That's just a small little device and I can take Uh it with me wherever. And then maybe I have a bigger like business phone. That's the clunky phone I carry around. Yeah, Um, I can definitely see that. I think that it's starting to happen on that front as well. Do you have any plans in future to integrate technology into your textiles or lights or LEDs or anything like that? Not at the moment, but that would be really interesting. Yeah, like I'm picturing a textile that could like shape shift and change patterns depending on the light or depending on the mode you said. I think that goes back to this idea of like playfulness and fun that we're starting to see when we see these two industries collide. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to see that combine in in some more interesting ways. Yeah. Well, I'm very much looking forward to speaking with you on this panel at Startup Fashion Week. Fiona, how can people stay in touch with you and follow what you're doing? You can see my work online at Fiona, F-I-O-N-N-A, Hannah, H-A-N-N-A dot com. And for my day-to-day stuff, you can follow me on Instagram at at Fiona Hannah. That's great. Thank you so much for being our guest today. No problem. Thanks for having me. That was my conversation with textile designer Fiona Hanna. To see images of some of her work, check out electricrunway.com. As always, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at electric underscore runway. Tune in to the weeks to come. We're going to be speaking with the women behind a chatbot styling app, as well as the editor of Closet Magazine in Paris. That's it for today's episode. Until next time, here's looking towards the future.
Music from today's episode by Andrew Applepie.